welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, so this is Q&A Sunday with Stephen and Kay. Uh, so the way this works is some folks submit stuff uh, anonymously uh, by email, via email. Um, some people submit stuff on a card. We have little cards that you can fill out. Um, anonymously or not. And then also over here, uh, these two beautiful young ladies are sitting in like the question section. So if you show up and you realize that you have a question that you forgot to, to be prepared for, then you can just sit over here. And the reason we're doing this is so we, Kay and I, know how much time we have with each question so we get all the questions answered and all that. So uh, in exactly eight weeks... Eight or nine weeks, depending on five months, uh, five week months, we do this every other month on the second Sunday, and then the other month on the second Sunday we do Healing Sunday. So we're very, very purposeful and passionate about preaching, teaching, developing healing and health on the inside of you, and then we're also very, very purposeful about answering questions because if you'll remember, the disciples, this was a massive part of discipling that the Lord did with the disciples. is He encouraged questions, the disciples were always asking questions, and He was teaching things that created questions. So if we're really doing an effective kind of ministry, we should be creating tons of questions. Amen. If I'm doing my job, sometimes you should leave with more questions than you came with. Because then you get to go talk to your Father and start working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, I am not your Savior. Praise Jesus. Some of you I don't even acknowledge I know in public. <laughs> I'm just messing. I love y'all. Uh, but all, all I have is uh, the wisdom of the Spirit of God and then a knowledge of His Word. And the reason I say that is because everyone in this room can develop that. You can develop intimacy with your Father and you can develop an, a real authentic knowledge of His Word not a religious uh, knowledge of the Word of God that's very, very dangerous, um, but an authentic, revelatory knowledge of the Word of God. And from those two things, uh, Peter tells us that if you do those things, you will never fall. Now, wouldn't that be a great way to live your life? To never, ever fall. And I know a lot of people are like, that's impossible. Be it unto you according to your faith. If you want to, if you want to make faith for and make preparations and make plans to fail and fall, I'm sure the the devil will help you with your plans and your purposes. Um, if you want to make plans and purpose in your heart that you will never fail, you might be surprised how life will go for you. All right. So I'm going to read uh, these these three came in. Uh, via email. Uh, actually, there's four, but I'm going to read the first three kind of together, and the third one actually has like an A and B. 
And you'll understand why I'm putting them all together because I'm going to try to answer them all together in one, uh, we are going to try to answer them all together in one section. Now I will say this, I'm going to preface it by saying I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm just hopefully going to give you enough to, to open your heart, open your eyes to the reality of this particular subject matter. So the first question is, what should we pray for our nation? It's such a mess that I get overwhelmed and don't know where to start. Don't say amen, because that means so be it. <laughs> but it's, this is a truth. Our nation is, um, depending on where you're looking from and where you're getting your information from and whose water cooler you're listening to, you are going to think that our nation is wheels off, going to hell on a, uh, on a grease skid. Or there's another option. Uh, question number two is, what is the difference between praying and intercession? Man, I cannot wait to tell you about that one. Uh, number three is, how do you pray for unsaved loved ones? We can't pray for someone else's salvation, right? And then part two of that question is, how do you pray for loved ones that are saved but are walking in the world and not in the Word. So you can see why I'm putting these three together. So they, they all revolve around prayer and intercession. So uh, I'm going to actually make this worse before I make it better. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad you came to church today. <laughs> and I'm sure you are thinking that you are as well. So the first thing I'm going to do is I want you to go to Acts uh, chapter 10, verse 2. <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> Tamara back there, she's going to get a workout because she's going to have to uh, just put up a bunch of scriptures. Um, Acts chapter 10, verse 2. Those of you that have brought your Bibles, uh, you, are, you are picking up what we're laying down. If you haven't brought your Bible, hopefully you brought a Bible app. If you didn't bring a Bible or a Bible app, you're just damned and going to hell. I mean, I don't know what to... No, I'm just messing. We have Bibles. If you need one, you can just uh, shake your hand at somebody and they'll, they'll come and give you one. You can have and hold it for the rest of your life. But in Acts chapter two or chapter 10, verse 2, this is the, the instance of uh, a fellow by the name of Cornelius. He was a, uh, he was a Roman Italian centurion. So the reason I'm saying that is because he was not allowed to have a relationship with God. The only way that you could have a relationship with God was to be a Jew or to be grafted into Judaism. And uh, what's really important about this story is that through seeking, through desire of his heart, Cornelius actually entered into something. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of David. David entered into a new covenant relationship with God in the old covenant because he pressed in with his heart. And, and I'm, I'm highlighting that because the, the entire uh, subject matter is going to be about prayer and intercession. And I need you to understand that this is, this is kind of the context on which all these things fall. And in uh, verse 2, it says that he was a devout man, which means honorable and of honor. And one that feared God 
And I know that's a, that's a tenuous thing to say in America in 2021 is just talk about fearing God. But uh, this is the reason that our world is literally ignorant. Ignorant. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And right now, the pinnacle of wisdom says that you don't know what bathroom to go in. That's the pinnacle of our wisdom today, is you have no idea what bathroom you belong in. We don't even know our gender. You, you should at least be aware of the fact that the wisdom of this world has issues. <laughs> it's because we have lost, as, as a world, we have lost this revelation and this knowledge of the fear of God. And the fear of God means awe and reverence. It doesn't mean you're terrified of God. <clears throat> it means you have awe and reverence. It means that you respect Him as being smarter than you. Better than you. Knowing how to make better decisions than you. That His Word has more intelligence to it than your brain. There's a ton that uh, goes with the fear of God. But it says in Proverbs, twice in Proverbs, and I think once in Psalms, it says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you think that you're a smart person in this room and you do not have a reverence and an awe for God, you're ignorant. And there's a lot of arrogance and pride that's in the world. People think that if you keep stacking letters on the end of your name, PhD slash, you know, all these, you start putting letters on the end of your name, then everybody's like, wow, they're really smart. Um, but I've talked to some of those folks. Not so smart. Not so smart. If you think the world was created with an explosion, you're a special kind of stupid. Explosions destroy things. Okay, all the kids understand what I'm talking about, because if you're a little boy, you're like, and you know that it breaks stuff. But yet somehow, the pinnacle of science today says that explosions created the universe. Out of nothingness, there was an explosion. Yep. And then he goes on, uh, then the scriptures go on to talk about Cornelius and say that he feared God um, with all of his house, this is important. We've lost this in the world today. Uh, we think that it's not important for our entire family to be led into the kingdom. We think that they're just going to stumble into it on their own. Uh, the reason that only 48% of America is attending church, which is the lowest number since the birth of our nation. Over 400 years our nation is old. And the lowest percentage of people literally attending church is right now today at 48%. There was a time in our nation that 96% of every living human being on this continent went to jerk. And you could probably uh, speculate that there were times that our nation was in way better shape than it is today. Uh, not uh, What is the stat? 80, uh, 87%, I believe it is, of all children will follow the faith of their father. Not their mama, their father. This is why the world has targeted men. This is why uh, I think it's 72% of every child born in Chicago and New York right now is born fatherless. Uh, almost 50% of every child born in America is born fatherless. It, it's not just because 
guys are like, whatever, I'm doing my own thing. It's literally a spiritual attack to get the father out of the home and to keep the father out of the faith. Because Satan knows that if you can get the men, you can get the nation. And so uh, you, need to, you need to understand that, and especially all of the fathers in the room. The greatest thing that you could do for your family and for society is to have your family in church. Which is literally an easy thing. It's an easy thing. But that's why the world says uh, it's not to be done. And, and I'll get, I'll, listen, I'll give you this. Guys, uh, men, husbands, fathers, I'll give you this. The world has done a great job of emasculating the pulpit and emasculating church. We've got little... I'll be careful with my... We got a... Well, in Thailand, they're called... Uh, can, I, can I say Thailand? Uh, Brian Greenwood will be here next week. You can talk to him. They're called, they're called uh, girly boys. There's girly boys that are in the pulpit. And so I understand that a guy that actually has male parts... I'm not doing very good with this. <laughs> a guy that's actually a man, I understand why they have a problem with the pulpit... Because they're a bunch of infeminate, emasculated people, and they have a problem with the church because there's a bunch of men in church that are emasculate, emasculated and infeminate. I get that. But th- that's the problem, is that the men won't go and show the men how to be men. It actually says in, uh, in 2 Timothy... In, uh, in Thessalonians, in Peter, that one of the responsibilities for the men in the church is to teach the boys how to be men. Well, if you don't have men teaching boys how to be men, what are you going to end up with? Boys that don't know what bathroom to go in. Ta-da! <clears throat> he led his whole house. I know you think, well, that's legalistic. Making your, your children go to... Really? I can, I can tell you a hundred other things that you probably do in your home that you wouldn't consider to be legalistic that are 1,000 times less important than getting your children to be raised with a knowledge and a revelation of God. And you still do that. God bless some of you families. You, you spend two $300 a, a month on your kids so that they can be addicted. Addicted to an electronic device. Addicted. And I, I mean addicted. There are parents in this room that you have literally led your children into addiction. You are destroying their lives. And you think you're doing the right thing because you gave them an $800 cell phone. God bless you. Lord have mercy on your soul to do that to your children. Jesus said if you offend one of these little ones, it's better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the deepest ocean than to offend a little child. And leading a child into addiction... Can there be a greater offense than that? Kind of quiet up in here in Beloved Church. We'll just go back to the Scriptures. Which gave much alms to the people. He was a giver. He was a generous giver. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, whatever. And prayed to God always. Okay. Not born again. 
and prayed always. Okay, so here's a person that is a child of Satan. You're you're either a child of Satan or you're a child of God. There's no in between. (laughs) So a child of Satan prayed to God always. That That should create some question marks for you about prayer. If that doesn't, then I'll give you another one that'll make it even worse. Let's go to Mark uh, 8. I'm sorry, Luke 8. Luke 8, uh, 28. Luke 8, 28. This will... If you're not in a questionable place in your way of thinking, this will make it ten times worse. This is the, uh, the story of Jesus interacting with the gathering demoniac um, and dealing with all of that. And I know that's hard to talk about in church as demons. Uh, we would like to just uh, imagine they don't exist and go on about our lives and think that all of our problems are because we just uh, didn't read the right self-help book yet. But there's actually doubles and demons and spiritual forces that are inflicting you. You might believe that there's no such thing as Wi-Fi. Because you can't see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, and you'd be stupid. You might believe there's no such thing as demons and devils and spiritual uh, principalities and powers. That just because you can't see them, smell them, hear them, feel them, and you'd be stupid. When he uh, saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down. This is the gathering demoniac, and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. If you read on in this instance, you'll find out that it wasn't actually the gathering demoniac that was speaking. It was actually demons. Specifically by the name of Legion. A group of demons were speaking through his mouth. And I know this is probably messing with a bunch of people, but I've cast demons, tons and tons of demons out of people. And demons sometimes talk better than the person that doesn't have the demon. (laughs) Uh, This demon was what was saying these words. And that word beseech is the word pray. Okay, so hopefully this is messing with you. So an unsaved child of Satan in Acts chapter 10 verse 2 was praying to God. And now we have a demon praying to Jesus. Amen. Hopefully you're following my train of thought. Because we associate praying with being like born again, being a godly person. Demons pray. Ungodly people pray. Hindus pray. Muslims pray. Atheists pray. They don't call it prayer. They just talk to themselves. But it's still prayer. The, the reason I need you to get this is because the word pray doesn't necessarily mean right or wrong. It just means communication. And I think we miss this. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, this will... Uh, this hopefully will... Uh, Add a little value to what I'm saying. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we all know that 17 is where it tells us that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, that all the old things have passed away and everything becomes new. But in verse 20, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we see this really interesting thing where it says that Paul 
was asking these folks, these born-again, spirit-filled Christians in Corinth, he was interceding by God, praying that they would listen. God was praying through Paul. (laughs) Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did pray, beseech, pray. God prayed you by us. Man, I hope you get this. God prayed. (laughs) The word pray, we've, we've super spiritualized the word pray. Pray just means that you're coming to someone in an authentic place in your heart to communicate. And I know you're going to be messed up because I just read the one where the demon was. But the demon really was authentic. Like he didn't want to get tormented by Jesus. He was authentically asking like, hey, be nice to me. It it literally means that you come before someone and it couldn't be someone or it can be God. You come before them in a humble and open place to communicate. Here's the thing. By, by definition, by connotation, pray means that you have to listen. It's not you doing all the talking. In fact, it's probably you doing very little talking. Because the eventual target is to get to intersection. Intercession, and I'll, I'll get there in a minute. But when uh, in Psalms chapter 5, this is one of the ones that gave me a revelation of understanding truly what prayer is. In Psalms chapter 5, verse 1, it starts out, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Now, we all understand meditation. It's not some Eastern mysticism. It literally means to be in a quiet and listening place on the inside. It means to be thoughtful. To not be distracted mentally with all the shiny objects and, and, the, and the gold and the glitter of this world. It means to be really quiet. For me, it's staring out my office window into the sky. It's, it's just being open and listening for what God has to say. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. So he's talking about words and thoughts. I want you to see this. Verse 2, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. So David said that prayer was words, meditation, and a cry. And if you've been born again for any length of time and you have an authentic relationship with God, you'll understand all three of those. Words is that ongoing conversation in your heart with your Father. And if you're not having that, please do. Please do. God, His name is the Word. He wants to talk to you. He would love, love, love to solve every problem in your life if you would just listen and believe Him. He would. God is not your problem. He's not causing your problems. He's not causing all the issues in your life. God is your solution. If you understood that you were talking to the wisest, wealthiest, most capable, strongest, most influential, most authoritative figure in the entire universe, if you understood that, you would listen and do. But we don't really sometimes believe that. Oftentimes, many people believe that God's their problem. Well, i got all these problems. I don't know why God gave them to me. 
God is not the source of your problems. God is the solution to all of your problems. Amen. That is important, important doctrine right there. So, there's prayer, which is your words. There's prayer, which is meditation. And there's prayer, which is a cry. Let me tell you what a good prayer is. Help! I've been there. Where it's just like you're overwhelmed by everything, and you don't have the cool, awesome, Oh, Lord, Holy, Righteous Father. Which, by the way, that's really not prayer. That's religion. And I'm around a bunch of preachers that do it all the time. And they think like they're impressing me. <laughs> and me and God are like, Oh, you poor little sucker. The, the point of prayer is intercession. And we have this funky connotation of intercession too, where it thinks like we're we're trying to talk God into doing something. Okay, let me say this: uh, if you have a need in your life, I don't care what it is, God actually wants to supply that need more than you want it met. Now, I know you're thinking there ain't no way God wants this fixed more than me. Okay, God proved how much He wants it fixed. By taking a third of the Godhead and sending him to hell. I think God has shown us more than you have shown us that he wants every problem in your life solved. And so we, honestly, we muck up prayer so bad because we come from this place, this idea, this position that I got to talk God into how terrible my situation is so he'll relieve me a little spit of his power and then maybe it'll get a little better. If I talk him into it, if I beat him up long enough, if I, if I scream out, if, if he knows how humble I am, if I cry, if I make my voice wobble, then maybe he'll give me something that I really, really need. So let me ask you this, if that's, who he, if that's you. How would he give it? Well, he would make money rain from heaven. <laughs> God bless you. God's way of solving all of your problems would be to send his son. So did he send his son? All of your needs are already met in Christ. So when you're going to God saying, hey, please help me meet my needs, which means you don't have your needs met in Christ, you're putting God in an awkward place because you're saying, hey, solve my needs, but don't use Jesus. So what's he going to do? Solve your needs with American economics? A job? A a medical professional. This is why people get it met that way. This is why a lot of people get their needs met from going to a, to a job for 40, 50, 60, 70 hours, getting two jobs. Doing, that's why, because they honestly don't believe that God can provide these things in Christ. This is why they go to doctors and medicine, because be, Christ being our healer, no, that can't be the solution. I know it says, by His stripes I'm healed, but that doesn't actually mean that. So I need to go get healed from a doctor or from medicine. We're not, we don't 
actually know that the solution for God is Christ on the inside of us. And so we all we start off our prayer life in this already defeated place, thinking that we need to talk God into doing what he already did through Christ and then put Christ on the inside. If we would go to God and understand, okay, I don't understand how to manifest the power that's on the inside of me through Christ. Father, will you please help me understand? Now you got a good prayer life. Now you got a good prayer life. The word intercession literally means intersection. Intersection. When you are interceding with God, that means you are intersecting with God, which means your will and your knowledge and your wisdom intersects with God's will, God's knowledge and God's wisdom. In that amazing place where they two come together, you have revelation. In revelation, it will create activation. You will activate what God is saying. For example, God, I know that you know this, um, but our our income is is not good enough right now to meet all the needs that we have. I'm not I'm not asking you to provide that. I know that you... You know that when a sparrow falls. And so I know that you know the needs that we have, Father. But for some reason, I am not trusting you to bring in the income that I need to help me uh, to provide for my family and to trust you providing for my family and to give my wife the desires of her heart. So, Father, what's going on that I am blocking your will? And then I listen. And he might say something like, um, Hey, Uh, Why do you worship your children? Because that happens a lot. Why are your children like the object of all of your affection? Well, Lord, I'm supposed to be a good father. Right. You're supposed to be a good father to them. You're not supposed to worship them creating little monsters. Okay, Father. I repent. And I will no longer worship my children. I just changed something in my heart. And then there's this amazing thing that takes place. The next day I go out to the mailbox. And I found out that, uh, that I didn't know this, but I was part of a class action lawsuit that was suing Facebook. <laughs> I love my president. And I got a million dollars from this class action lawsuit that provides a couple needs and gives my wife some of the desires of her heart. She has greater desires than that. A million dollars ain't going to do it, but it'll get us a good. It'll get us a good go. We'll, we'll get started. It, God is going to solve all the problems in your life on the inside. If you're waiting for things to happen from the outside, then you're actually not going to get it from God. God lives on the inside. So the purpose of prayer is to get to that intersection where God says, hey, here's the solution, and then you activate it. Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, uh, the famous verses that Brother Hagin wrote, says that you should have the faith of God. And the faith of God leads you to a place of prayer where eventually when you pray, it says in, I think it's in 24, so when you pray, believing that you receive, 
you shall have. You don't have before you believe you receive. And this is where most people are in their prayer life. They're like, well, I'll quit praying when I receive it. You're going to pray the rest of your life. And this is why a lot of people in this room, you've been praying for the same thing for years. Because you've never actually prayed in faith. God is not your lottery machine. If you pull the handle just right, God comes out. Praying by faith means you receive it. Which means if you pray twice for it, one of the two is in unbelief. If you've prayed for years, I'm not trying to pick on you, but you're not praying. You're begging. And beggars get nothing in the kingdom of God. You either get it by being a son, or you don't get it. Beggars don't, anyway. So I'm saying all that to give you just a quick flyby about prayer and intercession. So, back to the questions. The first one, what should we pray for our nation? It's such a mess that I get overwhelmed and don't know where to start. One of the things that I pray, and I don't know. When you pray and you get to that intersection of where God tells you exactly what you need to be doing, doing, believing, saying, it's going to come to action. And I know a lot of people get perturbed by this. They, don't, they think the Great Commission uh, doesn't apply to them anymore. That's why we have ministries of intercession. Prayer warriors. Entire prayer movements. Jesus did not say, go into all your world and pray. <laughs> it's, it's literally a Christian cop-out. It's like, well, I'm not going to actually go tell someone about the good news. Or tell someone about the problems or mistakes that they're, or the sins that they're living in. I'm not going to actually go help a person. I'm just going to notice how terrible they are and then pray for them. Which means, I, God, do you know how terrible they are? All right, check. Next. God, do you know how terrible James is? <laughs> check. God, do you know how terrible? <laughs> and just go down the list. They got their prayer. You know how terrible. God, please do something. God, please bless them. You, you aren't praying. You are doing religious activities that are powerless. Complete vanity. Complete vanity. Nothing. Zero effectiveness to what you're doing. But you feel better because you're doing a spiritual activity. So you soothe your conscience. Well, I prayed for people. What did you pray for? This is why you probably nobody in here has ever heard me ask you to pray for me. Because I know how some of you all pray. I don't want your prayers. You make me worse. <laughs> Lord, don't let him die. Lord, please, please let him listen to Kay all the time. Don't. Pr- <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so here's what you should be praying for your nation. Father, I thank you that the voices that are out there, that the remnant voices that are proclaiming and declaring the finished work of the cross, that are believing in and are operating in the great awakening. Father, I thank you that you are empowering them, that you're opening doors for them. You are giving their voice validity, that you are, uh, that you are taking the authority and the power that is in them, and you're decimating the power and the authority of the enemy. Father, I thank you that right now you're tearing down the lion media. Father, I think right now that you're tearing down darkness. I thank you that you're doing this now. I acknowledge, I say out loud, 
with my heart, with my voice, that I know that you're doing this in faith. That's how you intercede for your nation. That's how you pray for your nation. If you go to God, you're like, God, don't you know what they're doing to our kids in public school? Oh, it's terrible. What God are you praying to? A lot of Christians pray to Satan. They don't know it. Because they're literally talking about how much Satan's doing, which empowers him. They're actually praying to Satan when they're praying. Don't do it. Declare what you want. Call those things that be not as though they are. That's what your father does. If you see something going on in public schools that you don't like, Father, I thank you that you're sending a voice in there. Jesus said to pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends laborers into the field. Because the field is white and ripe unto harvest. Most people don't believe that. Most people don't believe that the things that they're praying for, that they are ripe and white to harvest. They're asking God to make it ripe, to make it white, so that they can, maybe somebody can go in there and harvest it. That is an, you're already started at a defeated place, and you wonder why your prayers have no power, no effectiveness. You have to pray in faith. Faith is an action. Faith is something that's real. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's evidence. It's substance. The only way to really... Faith is the language of heaven. Faith does, uh, heaven doesn't hear your whiny, complainy, dowdy, woe is me, self-centeredness. It doesn't hear any of that. There's literally a block. The only things that get into heaven are pure. Only pure things get into heaven. So a lot of your language, a lot of what heaven hears coming out of most Christians' mouth is just womp, 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 Charlie Brown. And then you put Jesus, uh, in the name of Jesus on the end of it. Jesus is saying, not in my name. <laughs> you, you, you can take that back. <laughs> Don't be doing that in my name. You, uh, yeah, hey, hey. Uh, Another thing is, it's such a mess that I get overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. I understand. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of this nation, and I, I see the things that are happening. I see the things that people are doing. I, I'm, I'm fairly well informed. Don't you dare. Don't you dare let your heart get attached to what the enemy's doing. Don't you dare. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The people that he was talking to was his disciples who gave up their entire life to be his disciples. They had way more invested than what you got invested in your problems. And Jesus was dying. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. I got news for you. If you were a disciple and you gave up your entire life to follow this crazy preacher around, and then he says, hey, by the way, I'm dying tomorrow. You'd let your heart be troubled. Jesus specifically said, don't let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled about America. God's got her. God's got her. And if you don't believe that, then at least shut up and let the rest of us that are in faith continue to declare what we're declaring. All right. So that's one. What should we pray for our nation? It's such a mess that I get overwhelmed and don't know where to start. Now it's you. Oh, no. Okay. 
Um, man, a lot of what I have to say goes kind of clumped together. This might take me a few minutes. It might not. Thought you were, are you coming to do something? I am. I'm going to fix your ear. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, one of the wow, one of the things uh, that I did want to say is how important it is for us to um, get God's understanding, God's definition of prayer, which um, Steve had talked about. That word is um, translated in so many different ways: uh, pray, wish, beseech, supplication. Um, it's just. And each one of those times, there's context in each one of those times in the Word. That there, there is um, natural um, things to it. There's supernatural things to it. And you've got to, you've got to be able to know what the difference one is, whether it's a, a natural way of, of wishing or supplication or beseeching or begging, or if, if it's a spiritual, godly way of praying and communicating with your Father. Every single one of those questions that Steve read off, um, I can think of in my head scriptural examples that answers every single one of those questions. Of how to pray for our country, how to pray for our, our unsaved loved ones, how to pray for people that are born again, but just not necessarily walking it out the way they, um, they should or God desires for them to. There are examples in the Word for every single one of those things. You know, we have got to be able to dig into the Word and let the Father show us what it looks like for all those things. Um, and so I just want to make that little, I guess, plug in there for that, that the Word is our, always our answer for all of our questions. Um, the second thing that I uh, wanted to say um, about intercession, um, in Romans 8, of yeah. course I'm in Romans 8, right? Uh, Everything somehow revolves around Romans 8. Ryan (laughs) reads Romans 8. It's my favorite chapter. It's what we're going to be talking about today because it's an intercession. So uh, verses 26 and 27 in Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he search, and he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How important is it for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to speak in other tongues? That we can have this direct communication with God on what to pray. Wisdom on how to pray it. Steve says it all the time. I do not understand people's rejection of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. I, that is such a gift. And for us to reject something that, that the Father wants for us to have so much, for us to be able to, to be able to pray and know what to pray by praying in tongues listening to what the Father says we just spoke in tongues and then praying that out. It's just... People have made it out to be this this evil thing because they don't understand it. 
is it's a language. It's a heavenly language. Just as as speaking Spanish is a, is a is a language, English is a language, French is a language. It is a language. And and the people of these religious people have just turned it into this demonic terrible thing. And the God, God just wants to give us a language, a way of, of talking to him that is reserved only for us. And it's a gift. And I'm, I'm just encouraging anyone in this room who is not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you have not received your heavenly language, today is an opportunity for that. If you, if you have a, a desire in your heart to be able to, to pray and to know the will of God and to have the wisdom of God in your life, that gives you access to that. Unfiltered, unadulterated access to the wisdom of God and what to pray. I encourage you today, when, when the prayer ministers come up, go, go to them and say, I, I desire that, I want that. God has given it to you. Don't reject that because of, of what other people have told you what it is. This is why uh, denominations, straight line denominations, and um, religion as a whole has made this like the most terrible thing of all things in Christianity. Don't you dare get those tongues. <laughs> they, uh, uh, there's even denominations that call it demonic. The, the reason why is because the enemy knows that it's literally one of the most powerful things in the entire universe, and if he can get it away from you, then he can get you defeated. And the reason why the most intellectual people reject it the most is because they're honestly some of the most demonic people. Your intellect, without the Spirit of God, is a product of Satan. Hey, Ben. I know you guys are loving this. Um, the, <laughs> 95% of my prayer, I'll just, I'll just put this on me. 95% of my prayer life is praying in tongues and being quiet. And I can tell that a lot of people don't do that. I can especially tell that people don't, don't value the wisdom of God because I know a lot of people that I meet with regularly um, that if they got uh, this happens all the time at the altar well someone will come up and they'll want they have a question or they'll need a they have a need and I got five minutes with them and they'll talk for four minutes and fifty seconds and then they want me to do whatever in ten seconds it's it's just ignorant when I'm with people that I know that are that are operating in the wisdom of God and, and they have understanding of things that I don't have understanding of, you won't hear me talk. I am listening. I am listening. And it's shocking to me how many people are literally destroyed in their lives and they won't stop and listen to anybody for anything because they got it all figured out. While their lives are circling the drain of the toilet, they're going to talk all their the rest of their time they do this with God. They go into prayer, and it's blah, 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 blah. It's 100 miles an hour, and then they're done. They check out, and then they go about their life. Because obviously they're so smart, they don't actually need God to respond. <laughs> they just got off their chest what they needed. They needed to inform God. Because He didn't have all the information. So good. thank God for you. Heaven wouldn't operate if it wasn't for you giving God the information that He needs. 
95% of my prayer life is praying in tongues and hushing and listening for God to tell me what to do. Yeah. So I can solve the stupid yeah. stuff that's in my life. Yeah. I don't pray for K. And I know that's going to super mess with a bunch of people. Because I know she prays. I hear her. She prays in tongues a lot. She's talking to her father. What in the world am I going to add to that? There ain't a person on this planet that knows her more than I do. There's not a person that is more intimate with her, spirit, soul, and body, than me on this planet. If anybody would know how to pray for her, it's it's me. And I won't. Because she's talking to the Father. She's reading the Scriptures. She don't need my help. <laughs> and the other thing, too, for the, to go into the unsaved per, uh, people. So how do you pray for unsaved loved ones? How do you pray for unsaved unloved ones? <laughs> you pray that someone crosses their path with the truth. Praying that God save them or God... Bless them or God help them. That is an ignorant prayer. That, that means that you want God to save them more than God wants to save them and you've got to talk God into it? Come on now. He sent Jesus. God wants people saved. It is His absolute will for people to be saved. You don't have to ask God to save anyone. He wants them saved more than you do. Even though I know you're the most spiritual person you know, God actually loves people more than you do. Um, another thing is uh, you're not going to find very many places in the scriptures where anybody was ever praying for anybody that was ungodly Amen. which is what 90% of most people's prayer life is praying for ungodly people Amen. I'm just throwing that one out there we're supposed to be we're supposed to be way more concerned about the household of faith than we are for unsaved folks. Honestly, some of it is self-centeredness and selfishness when we're praying for unsaved folks. And I'm like, no way, I want them to go to heaven. Okay. I, I could I could probably sit down with some of you that are really, really passionate about the unsaved and the lost, and I can prove to you that you're probably not as passionate as you are because you're not actually going to do something about them being unsaved. You're not going to actually go tell them the truth or hold them accountable for the bad decisions they're making in their life. You want God to do it. God's like your little bulldog on a chain or you're going to sick him on your unsaved family. You're not actually going to go tell them or hold them accountable for doing what needs to be done. Which means you don't really care. You just want to soothe your conscience. God ain't going to let you get away with it. If you really cared about unsaved folks, you'd go and tell them the truth. Jesus cared about folks. He didn't pray that if you... In fact, Jesus is a great example. If you want to find out how to pray, look at Jesus. Who did Jesus pray for? His disciples. And the ones that would believe. Jesus not one time ever prayed for an an ungodly person. That's another thing, too. Uh, A good prayer is, God, I thank you that what so-and-so is... uh, is sowing into, they are reaping. That's a great prayer. I've, I've prayed that every once in a while for some folks. Uh, maybe not any in this church. I don't know. I have to think about it. 
But that's a great prayer. God, I thank you that your word is true and what so-and-so is sowing into, they are reaping. And they are sowing to the flesh. So, Father, I thank you that they are reaping from the flesh corruption. I know that sounds terrible and wicked and mean. But it's really true. Sometimes people literally need to be face down on the ground, bleeding out of every orifice of their body before they realize they need a Savior. Some people are stupider than others. I know, it's shocking. Um, I was. I had to get completely whooped by the devil before I realized that being a part of his kingdom was not going to be advantageous for my future. And so the fact that I reaped a bunch of terrible stuff in my life was one of the reasons that I turned my lamp around. And some people are just that ignorant. Some of you other amazing holy people, you just hear about the love of God and you're off and running. Like mom, I mean, oh, God loves me. I'm done. That's it. The rest of my life, she's chasing God. Like the, the rest of us, we have to be like fall off a cliff, break our back, be in traction, have angels like visit the room and say, you're stupid. I know. Help. <laughs> Amen. And some of those angels are like my mom. You know, God loves you. Yes, I know. He told me all my life. I do want to say uh, one thing to that. Um, just like Steve said, <clears throat> sorry, uh, that sometimes we we want to pray because it's, uh, this sounds bad, the easy way out, right? Yeah. I can do that at home by myself. I don't have to seek God about what to say or what to do, which I love that you said that. But we sometimes don't understand the impact of our witness right. to unsafe people around us family, co-workers, that the life we live, the words we speak are more of a witness than sometimes I think we understand. That by living a godly life, by living our lives as sons of God, that can draw people into the kingdom um, more than anything else. Because they see things in you that they don't see in the world. And they want from themselves. So, you know, you might want the conversation with the father might be, uh, is there something that I need to change in my witness to those around me? Is there something I need to change in the way I speak, the way I act, the way, the way I interact, the way I, I serve my employer, the way I serve my family? It might, might be a question you might want to ask them if you want to impact those around you. And some of the people in your, uh, in your life, the reason they are not being saved and they're not responding to God is because of you. <laughs> Amen. Well, you said it. It's, it's your witness. Um, yeah. This is, uh, Kay was my witness for God. Kay rescued me. It was her mercy and her grace that got me out of my spiritual coma. If she would have been like the average a gal going to church and coming home and telling me how ungodly I was all the time and terrible husband and telling me all the stupid stuff I'm doing and how dare you and I'd have have flipped her and God both the finger. Who wants to be like you? Some of the reason that uh, folks in your life don't want to be Christians is because they know you. And you're a Christian and they don't want to be anything like you. Amen. Your witness, your testimony, 
is either attracting people to the goodness, the love, the grace, and the mercy of God, or is repelling people from it. And we think that while we're repelling them from God, if we're going to pray to God to draw them in, that we're going to at least balance it out. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. All right. Question number four was, what exactly is our heart? And is it part of our soul? Um, kind of. I don't Did you, were you able to do anything with that? You did? Okay. So we have a, this is actually just some of my doodlings. <laughs> Believe it or not. Uh, while I'm meditating, sometimes I doodle. So this is, this is one of my doodles. And it's going to be, it's going to be kind of complicated. Um, it's even more complicated now that I'm looking at it on the screen. Um, so what you'll see is three concentric circles. One of those circles is your body, your physical body. One of those circles is your soul, which is your intellect, your thinking, your personality, your will, and one of those circles, if you're born again, is your spirit. If you're not born again, you don't have that third spirit, uh, that third circle. If you are born again, you have all three of these circles. You are a complete person. You are complete in Him, in Christ. Without being born again, you are incomplete because you don't have a spirit. Um, when you're born again, you have a spirit, and that spirit is the spirit of Christ. So one-third of you is perfect. Amen. Amen. So one-third of where your heart meets your body, your soul, and your spirit, one-third of your heart is perfect. You have a brand new heart. And I've got scriptures for all this stuff. And I'm going to go through this real quick because I preached literally an entire series. I don't know if you brought that key. Mm -hmm. But I preached a series, and and I'm really tenuous about this, but um, through Steve Castle Ministries, I have what's called Keys to the Kingdom. And one of them is... uh, it's a USB. Uh, these keys to the kingdom are USBs that have multiple messages on them. And so the heart message, I think, has 13 messages on it that I preached on the heart. So for me to synopsize 13 plus hours of messages in five minutes here to give you an understanding of what the heart is, is obviously not the easiest thing to do. But hopefully this illustration will help you a lot. You can actually watch uh, Annual Womack's um, three-part being, I think it's called, or on YouTube. There's a five-minute version, there's a 15-minute version, and that's pretty good. Um, I'm not saying that I'm better than him, but I like this more than his. Uh, (laughs) If you'll see, there's actually two hearts. There's a heart, there's a center that is just your body and your soul, and that's where most people live from. And that's your old way of thinking, that's your unrenewed, that's the unrenewed part of your mind that the Bible calls a stony heart. The new part of your heart is the born again section, which is fleshy heart. It is a new heart, it talks about in Jeremiah 33. This new part of your heart wars against the old part of your heart, or your new nature wars against your old nature. Uh, if you can see there, I put a little, uh, there's a ton of. Uh, Scriptures that I can use for each of them, but your brain is your is your unborn again heart, 
That's where your old man kind of resides is in your brain. That's why your brain is always getting in the way of you doing what God wants you to do. This is why people reject the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's because of their brain. Yeah. To their brain, it doesn't make sense. So they reject it because their brain is their God. Right? All of the great philosophical people, the philosophers of this world, they all philosophize about your intellect. Your intellect is jacked. Unless you're operating from the mind of Christ, which is directly from your spirit, you don't understand nothing. And you can talk to how these philosophers, they philosophize, and it's this guy says this, and the next guy comes along five years later and says something else, and it, and it just keeps changing. And now, like I said, we got to the place where we don't even know what gender we are. So the body, the reason I call this the trinity of parts is because every part of these has three parts. Your body has three parts, which is health, fitness, and shape. One day I'm going to preach on that. Health is different than fitness, which is different than shape. You can be healthy and not be shapely. I was wondering, I was going to wait for someone to say, I was going to point them out. They are healthy and not shapely. Way to go. Uh, You can be healthy... And not be shapely and not be fit. You can be fit and not be healthy and not be shapely. You can be shapely and not be healthy and not be fit. These are three different sections of your body that you need to give each of them purposeful concentration if you're going to deal with it. Amen. (laughs) I know a bunch of you are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry. It's just true. Your soul has three parts too, which is your, uh, your thinking, your will, and your emotions. And the emotions, obviously for most of you, are the biggest part of your soul because they are, for most people, emotions and feelings are God. Whatever their feelings and emotions tell them to do, they do. It's like a little ring in their nose of a bull. Well, I feel mad, so I'm going to be mad. I feel hangry, and so I'm going to yell at my spouse. I don't like what people are doing and it irritates me, so I'm going to tell them. We are literally like servants to the God of emotions and feelings. But your three parts in your soul, your trinity in your soul as well, which is your thinking, your will, and your emotions. And then your trinity in your spirit, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, going back to what Kay said, if you're not if you're not embracing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have just literally lumped off a third of the God part of your heart. So your heart is where these things intersect. The heart is the core of where your soul, your body, and your spirit meet. A very wise person will, from their heart lean as much into the spirit man as they possibly can to flow the spirit into their soul and into their body. So the heart is what, this is why the Bible is almost exclusively written to your heart about the spirit. It's because if your heart gets it about the spirit and all of your identity comes from the spirit and you understand how the spirit works, then it flows into your heart, which gets into your personality, your intellect, your will. It gets into your health. It, get, it can even get into your shapeliness and your fitness. It can get into every part of your life if you'll let it. That's why the Bible's written to your heart about the spirit. Okay, that's like super, super fast, but that's what your heart is. And the reason I call this dichotomy of life is because there's an old part of your heart and a new part of your heart. The old part of your heart doesn't even interact with the Spirit, doesn't want anything to do with it. 
The new part of your heart is literally listening to and receiving from God in the Spirit. All right. So those are the questions that were emailed. So we'll go over to Dorian. Marlene has a question. Yeah, I asked this at Grace Group, and they said, ask Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Grace Group leaders. I'm glad I'm duplicating myself in you. Did you um, want to add anything to... No, no actually, I did not. So. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, we're in the, um, we're ta- we were talking about healing, and I asked, when someone goes up to get healed or wants to be ministered to for healing... Whose faith activates that healing? Is it the person that's asking or is it the person that's going to deliver it? Because <laughs> you had talked about a time that you were ministering in a foreign country when you were new in the faith and how the woman that was so bent over came and, and you were able to lay hands on her, but her face was like, yep. and you said, I didn't even have faith for that at that, and then it was at that time. Yep. So my question is, you know, had she come in faith, did she not come in faith, or, or why was she not totally healed, I guess is part of my question. Yep, uh, this, this is actually a pretty vast subject, so I'll, I'll try to kind of cover it concisely. Um, basically, the question is, how does a person manifest their healing? Is it based upon the person that's ministering and their faith, or is it based upon the person that's coming and their faith? The answer is yes. Um, I as let's if you come up and you're uh, you're sick, sickly, you have symptoms or whatever. My faith is incredibly important because I have to believe in what I'm releasing and what the Father's telling me to do in that instance and in that moment. But your faith as to how much you open up the door for God to do things in your life is incredibly important too. I can have all faith and the gift of faith and angels singing and a glory cloud and shofars blowing and people can sit there completely spiritually dead. It's the same way. In this church there are people that your lives are literally going off the chart. Everything in your life is being completely, radically touched by God. Your finances are increasing, your joy is increasing, your peace is increasing, you're getting healthier, your marriage is getting better. All these amazing things are happening. And sitting right next to you is someone who's literally right now thinking cuss words about me. And how much they hate this church, and how much God ain't doing stuff, and how much they want to quit this church, and how they're... Two people sitting in the exact same environment, the exact same opportunities, having two completely different experiences. It's because of what you believe for. It's because of what you believe for. And so it's the same instance here. There, there has to be agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree? If I'm believing for a supernatural manifestation in your body, and you're maybe not, then we're not going to be in agreement. Now that doesn't mean that you won't get nothing, but this is why some people receive a little and some people receive more. So having said that, it's everybody's responsibility to be in as high a faith as possible. The, the minister and the ministee both have to be in high places of faith. But God also does this amazing, gracious, merciful thing. Where sometimes both of them are really not very good. And God meets them where they're at. And here's, what the, here's the thing. Like it doesn't, 
people think like it takes like all of this power of heaven to do this amazing healing. Like if you come up and you're in a wheelchair and you got cancer and, you know, you're lame in half of your body or you think like, oh my gosh, like God has to like call down to the power plant, like send extra power. Look at this. Like you, it is nothing for God. He created the universe with a word. I think your problem, no big deal. You think it's a big deal. And oftentimes, the longer a person has a problem, the more of a big deal they think that problem is. But it's according to what you believe. It's not according to what God believes. And this is another thing, too. If, it, if everybody being healed was just according to the minister's faith, which is, there are some people that preach that, and I'm, I'm going to say the name, not because I'm picking on him, but it, it's just, he's, he's been very, very successful in teaching and ministering healing, which is Curry Blake. But he, but he actually believes that it's all about how much faith the minister himself has. If that's true, then every single buddy all the time around Jesus would have been healed. And there are multiple places in Scripture that say that there are people that came to Jesus and didn't get healed. In his entire hometown in Nazareth, he said that he couldn't do anything there except save his hand, lay his hands on a few sick folk and see them healed. If it was just perfect, you know Jesus had perfect faith, so if Jesus couldn't get people healed, don't think that like Steve's going to have more healing than, or more faith than Jesus. There is a combination. God works in unity, and if you don't come to Him in that way, you're not going to get it. And there's also other times where I've seen people who have had more faith for healing than the minister, and they just got it. This is, this is my favorite thing. My favorite thing is to sit up here and teach and preach and minister and not touch a single person and people respond to me, testify to me, send me emails, send me to, and say, you know, while you're a minister and I got healed of this. This is what happened while you were talking. This is what, because the truth makes people free. And so you receiving the truth is going to make you free. Yeah, and it's, that just speaks to how important it is um, who we agree in prayer with. <sighs> That's important. Every time I see someone on Facebook like sending out this random prayer request to Facebook land, I'm... It amazes me. I'm like, why in the world she, would you it does put do. that it out there on Facebook? It irritates oh. the fire out of her. She's like, oh my gosh, you know what so-and-so said. <laughs> I'm like, I don't read Facebook. <laughs> they just launch these prayers into the show. Please yeah. pray for me, Facebook. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm not going to tell you what's going on, but please yeah. pray. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Ignorant. And it is so important to know who's praying with you. And not necessarily looking at the person. We're not looking at Steve. I connect. He, I go to him for prayer. If I want prayer, it's because I know he hears from the Father. I know he knows who he is. That he is a son of God. That he has all authority and power and wisdom. And so when I go to someone for prayer, I know that they are hearing from the Father. And they are speaking what the Father has for me. And I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm trusting in the one who is in him. And so it is very important that if, if you want to get ministered through to, um, and you want someone to pray with you, be very purposeful about who that person is. Amen. Very purposeful. Uh, and just to bootleg that real quick, uh, a lot of people go around the world um, 
looking for that one next minister that's going to be the one that that ministers to them. Like if they can just find that one magic dude that's carrying that one anointing that can be the right. you have you're damned. You are absolutely damned because you're not looking to Jesus. You can sit right there, nobody touch you. And open up a scripture and the Lord God Almighty will speak the exact truth that you need. And you could have every single thing in your life get like. But some people are they're so human focused. This is a lot of our society. This is why we highlight people in Hollywood and politicians. And some of these people are the most wickedest, terrible, evil people. And we still exalt them. And everything they say means so important. When you're going around the world trying to find that one person or find that one moment or that one message or that one conference that's going to do all that thing, you are absolutely missing the fact that you have Christ on the inside and His Word is His will. Amen. And I would strongly caution you from doing that. I, me personally, I don't have anybody ever lay hands on me. I don't go to altar calls. I don't go to different conferences and messages to get someone to lay hands on me. Um, not that I wouldn't. If God told me to, I would. But I don't do that because I want to receive directly from Him. I want to grow up. I want to be a grown-up in the kingdom and receive directly from my Father through His Word and through His Spirit. Now, if I was super jacked up, I would totally go to the altar and get somebody to hand. And I'm not fussing anybody that needs that. If you're not completely grown up in faith yet, great, come get help. Don't yeah. be arrogant and proud. But I, I'm, I'm headed that direction. So I, I look for that opportunity. Um, does that help, Marlene? Okay. Uh, Cinderella. Or other Cindy, sorry. <laughs> There's one Cinderella, and then there's Cindy. Mine, mine is real. My question is very similar to what you already have covered, okay? But it's in First uh, John. It's a verse I don't totally understand. In First John uh, 5, verse uh, 16, if, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and, and he, God, will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. That's a... Yep. Uh, I will... I'll, uh, I'll try to do this. There are sins... Okay, first of all, sin. Um, hamartia in the Greek, which is a nature that misses the mark. So it's a, it's a part of your nature that, that is missing the mark, that you believe is missing the mark. And missing the mark um, can be as small as God wants me to minister in this exact way, or... I miss it a little bit and I minister. I still minister, but I didn't hit it in exactly the right way. He wanted me to quote this verse and I say something without quoting the verse. And so missing the mark, there's a, there's a ton of missing the mark. But missing the mark is missing the mark. So there's missings of the mark, uh, like for example, sexual sin will literally destroy your body. And I, and I know people don't like to hear that because they think that we... 
we're so far advanced beyond the Word of God that we don't have to deal with sexual sins. Um, but sexual sins will literally destroy your physical body. And sexual sins isn't just like adultery and fornication. There's a ton of sexual sins um, that people get into that they don't necessarily realize. You know, pornography or lust or stuff like that. These are sexual sins, and they will physically hurt your body. First Corinthians chapter 7 says that, uh, and, and chapter 5, literally talk about this. And so different ways of missing the mark has different um, uh, effects in our lives. And so there are sins that, that create death that specifically are going to uh, sever intimacy with God. And then there's other things, there's other ways that you can miss the mark in your life that doesn't sever intimacy with God in that way. If I'm believing God to be the greatest husband ever and to love my wife, like the scriptures say, like Christ loves the church, and I don't get there, which I know some of you are shocked that I didn't get there, that I'm not the greatest husband and the most amazing lover ever. Uh, I didn't actually mean it that way, but that sounded pretty good. need to be believing God for that. Um, if I don't do that, I miss the mark. So if I don't love her today like Christ loves the church, I miss the mark. And people get condemned about that. Okay, that's not going to be a sin unto death. Because the father's like, look at my kid. He didn't love her like Christ loves the church, but man, did he give it a go today. Are you following me? Then like just just on purpose. Like if you know, for example, you know, uh, going back to the sexual sins, you know that you're supposed to be sexually pure and you just go and choose. That will create that. It will create that. And you can't blame God and you can't get mad at Satan. Because <laughs> you know better. Now, if you don't know better, that's why a bunch of people in Paul's day, he's saying, hey, by the way, let me teach you all these things about sex because he was talking to Gentiles that came out of a completely jacked up religion. And so there are things uh, that, are, that have more damage in your life. They don't offend God more. God's covered all sins for all men for all time. It's not against God. It's affecting you. There are things that I can do in my relationship that will affect K and I's intimacy more than other things. But some of them are still missing the mark. So there are there are applic- <laughs> Yeah, and you have the. She's like. Ah. Well, um, that it, what what I was I was thinking too is 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 that talking about when when Jesus said. That the only thing that causes the separation is is people not believing the, on the that un- he is the son of God. Nope. The unforgivable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. He said that's the only sin that you can't be forgiven of. And blaspheming the Holy Spirit is is talking against or working against the workings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming to you to get you in intimacy with God. And so if a person rejects that, by nature, they're damned. Because they're rejecting what the Holy Spirit is doing, which is trying to bring you into a relationship with God. 
Um, that's the only unforgivable sin because you can't be forgiven of the sin of rejecting God. <laughs> There's no way to be forgiven of that because you rejected the forgiver for the forgiveness. So that's not specifically talking about. This is actually talking about the different activities that's in a person's life. There are different consequences for different activities in your life, not with God, but with man and with Satan. I can be completely perfect to God, but if I slap James in the face and cuss Kay out, I'm not going to be in great relationship here and great relationship here, even though God and I are, are in perfect relationship because of Christ. There is still a righteousness that you have to have outwardly towards man, towards people in your life, but this righteousness is secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing in missing the mark. If I miss the mark here, there's consequences. If I miss the mark here, Jesus paid for it. And so different consequences. Like, for example, I, sexually transmitted diseases would cease to exist in one second if everybody understood God's sexuality. Which is, virgin before you're married, and be married to one person, and only have sexual intimacy with them for the rest of your life. You realize that there would no longer ever be, ever, in human existence, ever, a sexually transmitted disease. The only reason it exists is because of fornication and, and uh, sex outside of marriage. This is the same thing. A bunch of you have emotional baggage because of things you've done emotionally in your soul. It is, it's creating death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages, plural, wages, plural, of sin is death. There's different wages for different sin. Some wages are very, very light. Some wages are really, really, really heavy. And some wages can actually kill you. Kill you as in stop your natural life on this earth. And so you need, to, you need to be aware that there are different consequences or different things. And that's basically what that verse is going to. And he's saying that I don't want you to pray for some people that are in these consequences because they need to reap their consequences. But these people that are over here in these consequences, pray for them so they don't go all the way off into those consequences. Amen? Is everybody... Okay. All right. Please rise. I would like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.